Good evening, fans. Tim Kittrow here, the voice of NBA Jam. And you're listening to the Game Dev Breakdown Podcast, brought to you by CodeWritePlay.com. Whoa, boom shakalaka. My mom gave birth in 1985. I was blue within a Pac-Man ghost, barely alive. In the Cold War, my only blanket was Tetris. I played Rampart with Reagan Rampage, the world for breakfast. The laundry mat was my sanctuary. The arcade was my church. I thought I was Rastan. So hey, everybody. Todd Mitchell here. Welcome back one more time to Game Dev Breakdown. So glad you're here. Even though we have less than fantastic things to discuss tonight, Not going to get into the stock market stuff. It's entertaining, but there's nothing to really talk about there. Unfortunately, there is some game industry news that's on everybody's mind. There's been a lot happening with it just this week, and we are going to dig into that. That, of course, is the story of Scavenger's Studio and the big changes that have taken place necessarily this week after just really bizarre, really unfortunate things have come to light thanks to uh, excellent reporting at gamesindustry.biz. So uh, without too much intro talk here at the beginning, let's kind of just jump right into it. We're going to go over this story and then I have kind of a personal story, unfortunately, about working in a similar environment. And I'm going to talk about some of the things I, they're not fun for me to talk about at this phase in my life. It's it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing to be involved in something like that. I'm I'm sure the people who work at Scavengers feel the exact same way. It's it's humiliating to even if you're not perpetuating the issues, like it's really gross and it's really not fun to discuss after the fact. But I will talk about some of what I went through earlier in my career at a startup in a similar environment and try to present some takeaways and some warning signs you can look for and things you might consider doing if you find yourself in that situation. This isn't going to be preaching to like studio founders and executives and stuff like that. Those people know right from wrong and they're either going to do the right thing or they're not. It's true. I mean, that's unfortunately that's as good as it gets. That's as positively as I can present it. They're either going to do the right thing or they're not. You folks who work in the trenches, you creative people, you lower level employees, mid-level employees, you have options, you have eyes, you're going to notice things other people don't notice, you're going to hear things other people don't hear, and you have potential to change things for the better the way people did in the story of Scavenger Studio. So let's jump into it and let's really sort of break this thing down. Okay, so the first article about this is titled Scavenger Studio Creative Director Accused of Belittling, Screaming at, Groping Employees. This is by Rebecca Valentine for GamesIndustry.biz. This was actually, from what I understand, this was Rebecca's last big story at GamesIndustry.biz before moving on. And what a note to go out on. We will talk about that. But uh, so Scavenger Studio, if you're not familiar, they created Darwin Project, which is a basically defunct Battle Royale game that only came out earlier in uh, 2020. Survived almost no time at all before they announced they were basically abandoning that project, which should have been, perhaps, the first sign of trouble here because, uh, you know, they'd worked on that for years. For three years, it it had Best of E3 awards and similar things like that. And uh, like four months later, they said, yeah, we're throwing this out. Then they moved on to a narrative game called Season, which caught people's attention as well. Looks really cool. Looks interesting. That's I, I think that's still in development, but we don't know what that's going to look like now that everything's going on. The situation is that Games Industry spoke with nine current and former employees who brought up a variety of 
horrifying <laughs> things that have happened at this. I don't mean to laugh. I laugh because I'm uncomfortable. It's terrible what happened here. Uh, they spoke with nine current former employees, all who wanted to remain anonymous. Uh, until this week, Scavenger Studio was run by, I'll do my best with names here, but Simon Darvaux and Amelie LaMarche, who were uh, co-founders and apparently in a romantic relationship of some kind for some amount of time. It's not clear when they parted ways, but they ran this together as a couple. The uh, article said almost every source described the environment as hostile to women. Many of them agreed that Darvo, who was the uh, male co-founder, uh, objectifies women, doesn't take them seriously. Uh, they give examples like a design meeting where somebody said the lead character in season should play the guitar. Pretty simple, right? Someone apparently in the meeting, I guess to be funny, or some sick attempt at being funny, said, oh, that's not realistic because the guitar is too complicated for a woman. And they just dropped the idea. Like, it's bad to make the comment, and it's bad to tr think that's funny. But then the idea that the team as a whole went, yeah, I guess you're right. Wow, that that's unfortunate. That's really depressing. That's one example. So uh, as these things unfolded, LaMarche, the female co-owner, who was romantically involved with the other co-owner, Darvo, was apparently the company's default HR contact because they didn't really have independent HR. No human resources person to talk to. You could go to the co-founder who is romantically involved with the person apparently creating most of the problems at the studio. That's not great. More stories and more stories. Apparently at some point, some years ago, uh, an employee just stopped showing up to work one day. And then later, this story leaks around the office that Darvo had apparently had an affair with this female employee. And LaMarche, the co-founder, found out. And so then this woman stops showing up to work and it sounded like no one really knew why they didn't know if she was actually fired or just wanted out of that situation reasonably so but this is the kind of stuff going on nightmare fuel uh darvo apparently described himself at one point as a dog in heat unable to control himself as if that's like what are you gonna do this is how i am nope that's not okay the article describes big issues with Darvo and alcoholism. Well, <laughs> they said alcohol. I'm going to go ahead and, because I'm not officially reporting here, I'm going to take a wild shot in the dark and go ahead and say alcoholism. He would apparently get drunk at work, social events, and grope female employees, like multiple, like one right after another. And somebody described that as, quote, full predator mode. Imagine working at a place like this, not just as a female. Obviously, that's another nightmare. You know, your safety and well-being is in question. I mean, even for male employees who should have been horrified by that and should have stepped in, imagine being anyone there. This is insane. When the company tried to do some damage control, it sounds like everybody joked their way through it. No one took anything seriously, literally cracking jokes and presentations while they just read this very basic... Uh, they, they said the uh, HR guidelines sounded like they were what's provided by the government. Like, if you don't have anything else, like, tell your employees to do and not do the following. That was, like, all they had. And this is in response to, like, serious stuff that's already been unfolding. So nobody took anything seriously, even when the issues started unfolding. No HR, no anything. People described the culture there as divided up in disposables and commandos. Now, I read this, but what really came to mind was... You know how every once in a while on Twitter, some, some douchebag venture capitalist starts talking smack about 10x developers? 
you need that one 10x developer. He's going to be 10 times more productive than everyone else on your team. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't celebrate holidays. He just sits there and works and makes you rich. That's douchebag mentality. And so I'm not surprised to hear that this co-founder who had who allegedly had all these other issues also looked at his employees that way. Not good. Sounded like screaming matches were common. Also sort of sprinkled throughout the article. It sounded like multiple sources described this guy as like very charismatic and that's how he got away with stuff. I don't get that. I don't understand how anybody could look at him that way. I looked into this guy a little bit. I don't get it. But yeah, fair enough. If that's not enough... <laughs> Uh, the, the studio apparently moved into a larger workspace, but started in a co-workspace. If you're not familiar with co-workspace, it's basically a third party owns a building or an office space and multiple people. A lot of times it's just individuals who work remotely or they're freelancers. They'll pay a certain fee like per month or per six months, whatever the case may be. And then they can go in and use that space as if you were going into an office building where you actually work. That's just your rented workspace. I've done this at our, uh, at our nearby mall. I rented co-work space so I could go do uh, freelance writing, freelance programming stuff I had picked up when I went back to work briefly remotely for an old employer. I went and did that stuff there. It was a fantastic place to get away while I had babysitting help. Don't have as much of that now during the pandemic. That's a totally separate issue. Sometimes if you're part of a small team, your whole team may go to a co-work space and that's what scavengers did. Well, Darvo sounds like he had an issue getting along with anybody and he was apparently known for going around. The article describes this as by his confession to other employees that like he was bragging about this. He would like go around stealing alcohol. Apparently they just had a pretty open policy about if you want like a bottle of champagne in your mini fridge or you want to keep beer at your desk. People were doing that and he would just walk around apparently just straight up like drinking stuff off people's desks and stuff. He'd go in like after, I don't know if it was after hours or while nobody's paying attention, just go stealing booze. Now that is why I said alcoholism because when you're in a situation like that, it's hard to say if that's just enormous douchebag behavior or it sounds more to me like anytime you have an addictive substance and you put it in a room with somebody and go, if this disappears, we're all going to know you did it. Or if you're the only person in this room, you know, there's no denying that you were involved if something happens to this substance and you come back and it's gone, you're dealing with an addict. And I don't, I don't say that to disparage. I say, like, I'm pretty sure if you went to a physician who was going to diagnose someone, they would go, yes, that's alcoholism behavior. Pretty I'm, I'm no expert. But so apparently the uh, facility, I think they contacted or they responded to a request for comment and said, yes, we had to do something about this guy. Apparently that was a legitimate thing that happened. Well, this story, I've already, <laughs> I've already been describing this for 10 minutes, but uh, this story goes on for a while. The reporting was very thorough. Rebecca did a great job. And again, it was apparently her, her last big thing for uh, gamesindustry.biz. Uh, what a note to go out on, right? Because what ends up happening here, scavengers did reply for the article, but uh, it wasn't super impressive. They sent like, uh, some of this is exaggerated. We have done the following and sent over some HR policies and stuff, but it didn't sound like they said stuff like we're committed to change, but it sure didn't sound like it. So this article came out. It was all the community could talk about. I mean, it was everyone's been talking about this. I'm, I'm presenting this 
in case you haven't heard so you'll know what people are talking about. And it's just such a big story. And it's important that we discuss stuff like this because we can't change stuff like this if we shrug this off. Like, I didn't really know who that studio was or I don't do stuff like that. It's natural to come up with thoughts like that, but we really have to pause and really take inventory and go, if I was in this situation, how would I have changed this for the better? Let's take a quick break to thank our sponsor, App Figures. App Figures is all about helping game makers get more downloads and revenue. You know App Figures for analytics and app store optimization. Now, App Figures can help you track competitors, from downloads and earnings to their audience demographics and even which SDKs they use. Their competitor intelligence gives great context. Say a competitor adds a new feature or was mentioned in the news. With App Figures, you can see if that brought in more downloads. Have a new app or game idea? App Figures will show you how big the market is and how much you could earn. Whether you're growing your app or building a new one, App Figures can help you reduce risk and get more downloads without a huge budget or a data science degree. It's affordable and simple. App Figures provides guides and tutorials to take you step by step through gaining more visibility with ASO and increasing your revenue by learning from your competitors. Head to appfigures.com/on/gamedevbreakdown to try App Figures for free. If you like it, use our special code GDB3030 to get 30% off for 3 months. Again, that's GDB3030 to get 30% off for 3 months. Big thank you to App Figures for sponsoring the show. While I was doing that, and while I was sort of taking inventory, I started to think about a time when I was much younger. I had just gotten out of college. It was, this was, I, I did a short-term job right out of college, and then this startup that I went to was my first, like, big permanent job out of school. Again, it was startup, so it was a very similar culture to game industry stuff. This was software. This was actually an e-commerce, but I think you'll see the parallels. So I joined this startup that had several very successful products in the e-commerce space. Ironically, one of the earliest employees who was sort of the creator of one of these successful products had been on The Apprentice, like one of the first seasons. I didn't know the guy, but it's just a funny, funny thing. So they were newly successful. They had to build up their teams in a hurry. This is, you know, very basic startup 101 stuff. They One of the things they were doing was they wanted to build an in-house search engine optimization or SEO uh, specialist team. And because I had some web development skills, I had programming in several languages. I think basically because they saw stuff like HTML and JavaScript and CSS stuff and their SEO people were going to have to work in the actual markup code for their in-house properties. I think they wanted to give me a shot because I was fresh out of school and they knew I'd be cheap. And I was. So I was hired. I think, the, the HR lady actually later admitted to me I was her very first hire. I was the very first hire of 20, 30, something like that. They uh, they hired me early because I said, like, look, I, I, put, I put my cards out on the table. I said, I've got at least one other offer and I've got to go somewhere soon so I can pay rent and live and eat. Uh, and they agreed to do that. They said, maybe we can work with you as one of the two coordinators that we'll have because they said, we're hiring a lot of people from St. Louis. This was over on the Illinois side while I still lived over there. And they said, uh, we're going to use these people remotely for a while before we actually need them. They're going to do a lot of training, a lot of reading 
back and forth assignments and stuff. And we agreed to let them work from home for the first, I don't know, so many months. So I was going to go work in-house because I was local. And basically me and this one other uh, worker from my office, she would have a team and I would have a team. And we would just, we'd be there for like, I wasn't really anyone's boss. We were there for like giving out assignments, coordinating things, relaying answers and directions and stuff. So that was cool. They liked the work that I did during that coordination time. And they offered to skip my time on this SEO team. And they had this kind of all-star team that was working on one of those high-profile products they had. They ran a search portal. This was before Amazon was like running everything. They had an e-commerce search portal that was making the company like many, many thousands of dollars daily through what they call pay-per-click arbitrage. Uh, I think that's still a concept, but it's not nearly as uh, ridiculous as it was back then. Back then, we've been talking a lot about buying low and selling high. Remember that from uh, Twitter, like all day, every day? Okay, the same applied to pay-per-click at the time. There was a big gap between what you could pay to uh, basically attract traffic and then sell traffic. So we had our own search portal, but what we were really doing was we figured out how to place ads to get people's attention and then figured out the most money we could get by sending them somewhere else. And it was clever. Uh, They had, they had some really clever coders that made tools to uh, help us with this. We were, I think we were Google's like fourth largest pay-per-click partner at the time. They would send us free stuff all the time. I used to have this really nice Google like fleece jacket thing. Like it was just a funny, weird time. So anyway, I was officially coordinating QA because I had just gotten out of tech school with an associates for software. And the, you know, as software teams do, this is very common in games. Also, you go in doing QA because they say, if you do a good job and you work here for a while, eventually we'll move you to development. And how often does that work out? Well, it wasn't going to work out here either, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. This company had a deeply ingrained culture of drinking. I'm, and I mean that, like the culture was drinking. There were social drinking events right there on site several times per month. It wasn't weekly, but it was close. They would straight up go do a booze run, come back, and we would stay late at the office and get wasted. I participated in way too much of this. I'm not proud of it anymore, but I would I was doing what they were doing. I was a young guy trying to break my way in. I was literally poor. I was living in a relative's spare bedroom. Like this was life and death to me. Like this was either launch or fail. And so I I did what too many people feel pressured to do. I went with the culture. And it's not that I wasn't, you know, a young smartass having a good time also, but I'm not proud of the amount of it I did with these guys. So when they, uh, when they built this team up and they opened a second space in their, on their campus, the company mascot, which was this funny thing, this funny, uh, monster creature, he was painted on walls in various parts of the, uh, workspace. And when they had the second break room that opened up in the second building, they actually painted the company mascot doing a keg stand. That's, that's how important the booze was <laughs> to this company. So I gradually learned that they played very fast and loose with workplace professionalism. Uh, again, I'm laughing because I'm uncomfortable. So they, they had what they called farm days and they were the stuff of legend because it was basically like the amount of drinking that would go on at like maybe a major music festival. 
but just among co-workers at this uh, this couple, this husband and wife couple who ran the place, they had like a lake house and everybody would go there and be ridiculous together. I was dating a girl at the time who didn't, she did not work at the company. She was external. She went to like one happy hour event with my team and I, <laughs> this should have been assigned to me. She didn't want to go to any more like work related events ever. So when these big ones happened, she was like, I'm out. I'm not, I don't want to do that. And then I like, they were going to be so chaotic. Like I, I wouldn't go either after that. Cause like, I didn't, I knew I wasn't going to do anything crazy, but like why go and get involved in something crazy or, you know, end up near a fight or God only knows, right. You know, people, people could drive drunk later and, you know, somebody could die or kill someone. And, you know, you don't want to be a part of that. Right. But drinking work lunches became a thing. Also, there was a Mexican restaurant across the street that started doing dollar margaritas at lunch on weekdays because they knew about our team. They knew our teams would be there from that company. People were occasionally going to lunch, getting blitzed and coming back and like slurring in meetings and on calls and like talking to clients and stuff. It was insane. One woman I knew was like so impaired after lunch that she called in sick from lunch and drove home. That's not great. Like ain't nobody proud of that. Uh, there was a different time, a different restaurant across the street. There were many restaurants across the street. And a team went to uh, sit at the bar after work one night and somebody got tipsy and leaked big, like, confidential information about, like, a major product release to a bartender they thought was cute or something. And the operations team at the company found out because they went to the same bar the next night where the same bartender casually asked them about it. This gradually devolved into even crazier shit. So uh, this company, again, run by a husband and wife team who were not that much older than me. They were fairly young and already filthy rich. They would host what we called all hands meetings and they were in the morning. So it wasn't like lunch drinking, <laughs> but these would be once a month. And those turned into these crazy, like rich person spectacles. And what I mean is like they would literally pull out stacks of cash like out of their pockets or whatever. And they would challenge people to do degrading things for it. And this turned into like a, like it's something that makes me really mad when I think back on it. Like it's to them, it was funny. And to me, it's like, who the fuck do you think you were? People shaved their heads for money. Uh, people, somebody, I think I remember somebody drank from a janitor's sock. It was fucking disgusting. And there were like numerous examples of this stuff. One time they gave a guy a dart and told him, if you can hit the bullseye on a dartboard across the room, we'll send you on an all-expenses-paid trip to Cancun. And he hit the circle just outside the bullseye and got nothing. It's like, why screw with people like this? I know that last one doesn't really hold a torch to the first couple I mentioned there, but it's just it, it all comes back to me, and it makes me really irritated. And then there was just this bizarre cultural stuff. They had, they had a Yo Mama contest where people said things to one another, at a company-sanctioned event that literally made my stomach turn. And I'm not being sensitive when I say that. They said some of the filthiest things I've ever heard in my damn life. All this led up to one day where they just randomly laid off half the company. Oh, we mismanaged it. We didn't know. We've changed our goals. We're going to pivot. And we have laid off half the team. And that was the husband and wife team came to our team and told us, because like, for you guys, it's just another day because we're cool. You guys are our friends. Well, half the people in that new building are gone. 
We just wanted to let you know, because you're going to hear about it. Most of the people I trained were gone, wiped out. But uh, my boss, my manager, was on this Rockstar team and was BFFs with the founders. So I eventually found out that she was not much older than us, but uh, I thought she was cool, but I will explain why she did not probably believe that. So uh, I was the youngest person on the team. And the older people, like, on the team, like, the non-management people, they would, like, take me out, we'd do lunch, we'd goof around, uh, all the stuff you do. And, like, it was relatively normal and relatively healthy because they had been around the game a little bit, and they recognized this place is nuts. So they were a little more reserved, but, and maybe not much, but, like, I felt a little more comfortable with them. I was gonna say safer. It wasn't really that I personally felt unsafe. I felt uncomfortable. And... I should have been more alert as a result of that. That's going to be one of the takeaways here. But so this, this team, like there were a lot of relationships with other people in the company. Uh, the people who were with somebody outside the company, everyone knew each other's business anyway. It was kind of weird. We had uh, picked up this relatively new programmer from a different department. And uh, a couple of my friends were like teasing him one day about who he was dating. And I thought that was weird. Because I like I, I didn't really know what was going on, so like they were, they were making these jokes like, "Oh, you're you're uh, you're with this nasty old woman or something who's too old for you." Or something. I was like, "This is really weird," but I was young and I was stupid and I wanted to fit in. So like a different day, the manager who's still kind of buddy buddy with everybody and this other guy uh, who they were sort of making fun of uh, were happening to go to lunch somewhere and they said, Hey, do you want to go with us? And I said, Oh yeah, I'll go. Cause I tried never to turn down, you know, lunch. So, so we get there and we're, we're talking and the conversation is pretty casual. And I, I felt like I needed to say something and I didn't really know what to say. Cause I was younger and a little bit awkward and didn't talk as much as I do now. Um, but I, so I fell back on the stupid thing from the other day. So I turned to this guy and I was like, oh yeah, you know, what was all this the other day about you, you know, dating this weird old lady or whatever, huh? Well, what's going on, pal? And the conversation got like super awkward and uh, that was it. That was like the end of the lunch. And uh, I get back to the office and one of my other friends, she IMs me and goes, man, how did lunch go? And I said, fine, why? And she goes, well, that had to be awkward. And I said, I don't, I don't understand what you mean. She's like, well, you were, you know, they're, they're dating and and you, and you went to lunch with them and you were the third wheel. And I was like, no, I went with, oh my God, are you serious? He was dating the manager. I was fucking horrified. I, (laughs) I think I actually like took my monitor with both my hands and put it flat down on the desk as if it were a laptop, like I was just frazzled. I was totally beside myself and I just got up and walked away. I just walked away from the office for a while, did not come back inside for a while. She came and checked on me like, uh, did you not know this? What did something happen? And that was it. The manager, the manager not only hated me for saying something unflattering about her. I had no idea that wasn't my intention. I didn't feel that way about her. I didn't know I was being stupid. She also panicked and thought suddenly that this was like widely spreading throughout the company. Well, I don't know if it was or wasn't. I think I might have been just the next person to find out. Well, she broke up with him. He was a mess. She was a mess. She never treated me the same way again. And the person who should have been the angriest here was me. Because of this weird, inappropriate workplace relationship, suddenly my job's in jeopardy. I don't know what's going on. But... 
it was lose, lose, lose for everyone. So around that time, the company got bought out by a company of professionals. Uh, the founders made another fortune, so they got richer. Um, th- that drinking mural in the new building got painted over. There was no more drinking allowed on site. Uh, I start, <laughs> lo and behold, I mysteriously start getting formally reprimanded for things at work. And I was pretty much conducting myself the way every other employee of that entire company. Again, I was far from perfect, but suddenly it's not okay when Todd does something. And yeah, no shit. I, you know, I had made an enemy out of my manager accidentally because of all the stupid, inappropriate stuff that was going on. And also my stupid mouth. I own that. But uh, at the, at the time I was trying to go back to school to get a greater degree and hopefully skip all this QA crap that I was going through. I didn't want to, QA is a really respectable position if you have a team of people who want to do QA and you're a company that values QA. None of those things were the case. They brought somebody who they could dangle programming in front of and said, do QA. Well, I was doing a crappy job because it's not the job I wanted to do. Uh, And I was young and stupid and should have done a better job anyway. But so I was trying to go back to school because the company had a tuition reimbursement program. And because I was suddenly on the equivalent of like what was employment probation because I was because my manager hated me. (laughs) Uh, I had to go through all these extra steps and jump through hoops and stuff. Uh, the very moment I randomly visited that second building and my old manager said like, yeah, we sure miss you over here and we sure need some help. I put in a transfer request like that afternoon and my manager approved it because she wanted me gone and I got the hell out of there. But now the company's under new ownership. The co-founder, the original co-founders were still there, but we also had new corporate overlords from, uh, from halfway across the continent, but they treated us like literal children because that's how we were behaving. So instead of bonuses or raises, when my team did a good job one time, they brought us up in front of the whole company at one of these all hands meetings and gave us what was, what were basically 5k medals. Can you imagine being a grown up professional at your workplace and someone hangs a uh, toy medal around your neck and says, good job. Because that's the way we were treated by our new owners. So uh, raises were basically non-existent. And when people complained about that, they had another meeting where a corporate representative announced, uh, we realized that what you're trying to say is you just need to know more about how your salary levels are set. Oh, the shouting that ensued after that. Um, The original co-owner guy made this super sketchy joke at one of those meetings about... uh, Oh, uh, hang out after the meeting because the new CEO's name was Champion. So, <laughs> no comment. But Champ for short. And so the uh, smartass original co-founder guy, he goes, Oh, hang around after the meeting because I think Champ wants to line you guys up and give you all a Champ stamp. Well, that's super inappropriate, right? Uh, okay, so <laughs> here here is why... Here's why I'm telling this story, and here's why all these little things that were, of course, not little things turned out to be important. Here's why the little red flags that I initially noticed, the drinking, the murals, weird stuff like that. Here's why this stuff made a difference. I learned that borderline behavior is rarely the extent of what's going on. So when you see borderline behavior like, "Mm, you're, you're in dangerous territory, you're probably just not seeing the rest. And that's probably a pretty no shit elementary thing to have to say. But it took me way too long to learn it. So if you need to hear that, here's me telling you. A VP at this company later on 
who I had connected with uh, through social media when like the Me Too movement started, she came forward with some really horrifying stuff about the same uh, champ stamp guy. Not the not the person, but the guy who made the joke about the name, who was a different person. She alleged that that guy had made numerous attempts to sleep with her and had basically harassed her throughout her duration at the company. And she was somebody I really liked and really respected. That took it from like this quirky, funny place I worked to like, this is an awful thing I remember now. Far too much of it became clear far too late. And I'm really embarrassed and I'm really upset with myself that I didn't, like I was young and I felt powerless in that, in that environment, but I'm really sorry that I didn't spend more effort looking out for the people around me the way I was looking out for myself. I found out HR was like heavily weighed down with super inappropriate behavior throughout like my entire run at that company. And a lot of employees did not admit it until much later. There was still a huge cultural issue in the workplace at that time. And there still is now, but we weren't even working on it back then. We were so busy trying to manage chaos for ourselves that we weren't looking out for one another at all. And when we got bought out by a company of, again, like professional people, not one of us had even one drop of credibility with these people because we were the least professional people I'm sure they'd ever worked with. Before too much longer, I left this place for a very boring, very, very uh, mundane corporate retail office. So like these guys ran a catalog for like dancewear and they were, they're like top of their game. They were like very reputable. They ran a tight ship. They manufactured stuff in, in-house. I found it all really interesting, actually. And they, they wanted to give me a shot as a programmer and said, if you'll come here, we'll put you straight to work on .NET development and you can wear jeans. And I mean, that was the extent of the deviation from the standard workplace there. And I wore my jeans and it was the happiest I had been in my career when I went to this place. It completely turned things around for me because the startup culture was ridiculous. And it's not that every startup is like this. Of course it's not. Too many are. And there was not really an established playbook on how to change these things for the good. So because there's still so much left to be done in this area, I I, I want to just, you know, it's hard in my position. There's so much I'll never have to deal with. But when I really stopped to look at this and sort of reflect on like, how did I do in that situation? And I knew that I, I came up short many times. I, I just want to throw out some bullet points of my own here. Basically realizations that I've made. And I will, of course, be uh, very attentive to other people, coworkers, other people who have been victims in these situations. Uh, I'm here to listen to that because, you know, I, I wish I had known enough to change more of it for these people back then. So here are some realizations I've made. Deviation from like what you expect to be reasonable professionalism matters. It's a big deal. And it, because it rarely happens in small doses. So, I mean, some companies will like crack a beer on a Friday. That's probably as, about as far as that should go because this stuff rarely happens in small doses. Alcohol and work generally don't mix and like substances in general and work probably usually shouldn't mix. Not because I'm like, you know, an unfun person or whatever. Like I know how I sound, but the issue is people are addicted to it. People have addiction issues. 
And because those addiction issues exist and because they are not the fault of the people who have them necessarily, maybe it's not a good idea to wave that around in front of people, right? Because that brings out the worst in those people. And you're complicit if you're handing them whatever. Again, this is not preaching to studio heads or executives because one more time, you know right and wrong. And if you're not doing it, it's not because you don't know. It's because you're making a choice or you're making a choice not to do something. So you're either making a choice or you're just letting something happen. This goes out to the people at the levels I worked at, which were low to mid most of the time. If you see this stuff happening around you, and, and again, the small stuff, if you see the small stuff, a sketchy comment, uh, somebody looking at someone the wrong way, like you know the stuff. Some of it you have to see, like you know what you're seeing. You need to be, you need to turn on the eagle eyes. You need to be very aware of what's going on. You need to watch what's going on around you and watch for predatory behavior toward the people around you and call that shit out. If you feel like you're in a place where you can't call out a clear issue like that, you're in the wrong place and you need to walk away because it's going to be your reputation later. If I have to present it in a selfish way, it's going to reflect real badly on you. If you have decided you're in a situation where you cannot speak up for whatever reason, you know, you just feel like you cannot stand up and go, this is wrong, or you, you can't report something to HR, or you're, you're sure that you're uh, in a situation. I mean, if you're in danger, obviously, that's an obvious problem. If you feel like you're going to be retaliated against, I, I can seriously sit here and suggest you anonymously go public, just like these people did. These people found a reporter who would listen to them, and they drew attention to this workplace. And the people who spoke up to gamesindustry.biz have almost certainly mitigated future abuse and maybe worse. Because there was some serious stuff going on here. They swear up and down. That employer swears up and down they had taken steps to correct this. It didn't sound like it to me. It didn't sound like enough. It didn't sound serious to me. I'm outside the situation. I did not investigate this. I simply read up on it and realized I had similar things that happened in my career. And as a result, there were things that happened to people to victimize them. And I feel awful that those things happened. And I feel awful that I didn't, I hadn't developed that keen eye and that keen awareness to be an ally to those people at that time. That's embarrassing. That's, I'm discouraged by that. And, you know, there's no changing the past, obviously. But uh, I want to be very careful to spend time acknowledging these things and learning from them and uh, discussing what we can do. You know, those of us who do get to go, I'm not out here perpetrating this stuff. I've never done these things to anyone. I never will do these things to anyone. That's, you know, not, not doing these things is not our entire responsibility, if that makes sense. We have a responsibility to look out for the people around us, right? So let's do that. If anybody wants to talk about anything they hear here, I'm all ears. That's, I want to leave that entirely open-ended. I don't know. And I say that because almost every podcast, uh, some, a number of people will um, hear something and go, you know, I was listening to this and uh, this thought occurred to me. I think this is an important one to specify. I am willing to talk about this stuff with you, regardless. Open-ended. Open invite. So, uh, again, uh, check out this uh, series of articles now because they've updated it now that the one co-founder at uh, Scavenger Studio was suspended and the other has stepped down temporarily. There are, are several good updates on that. So um, 
Sounds to me like the situation is going to continue to unfold for a while, even though uh, Rebecca Valentine, who reported on this, has now moved on from gamesindustry.biz. Fantastic reporting is what I would say. That's um, outstanding and, again, has almost certainly prevented some amount of abuse and wrongdoing at this company, and uh, we all need to be very encouraging of that anywhere we can find it. So uh, with that said, uh, if you enjoy Game Dev Breakdown, would love to have you subscribe anywhere. We have show notes at CodeWritePlay.com. We have a Discord server, which you can find on the site also. Uh, over on Twitter, we have GameDevPod. That's the uh, the podcast account. CodeWritePlay is the website account. And you can get straight through to me, Todd Mitchell, at MechaToddZillo with one D and two Ls. Again, I really enjoy hearing from you all. Uh, topics, news, feedback, questions, random thoughts. I'm happy to discuss it all. We'll be talking to another friend of the show next week. Won't won't uh, reveal that till we record in case uh, you know schedules change, things happen. But uh, tune in; it's going to be fun, and uh, hopefully, we can make things much more upbeat. Look after one another out there. Work hard. Make yourself proud. Make me proud, and uh, let me know what you're up to. So, Todd Mitchell here for Game Dev Breakdown. Thanks, everybody. Talk to you next time. Congratulations on your game dev breakdown, whatever that is. Sounds idiotic to me.